I am so happy to welcome you as we gather again as the Christ Journey family. Whether you're making your connection with us right here in Miami at Kindle Campus, Gables Campus, across the nation, around the world, we are praying God's blessing for you today. And we're excited about the series that we're in. At the Movies Leadership Edition. You know, people go to movies for different reasons. Go for entertainment, go for diversion, some go for escape. We're going to sharpen our leadership edge. And our focus is on leadership at the movies leadership edition. We're looking at leadership essentials and we are blessed at the same time to be opening Paul's letter to the Philippians, one of the most personal and autobiographical of all of Paul's letters in the New Testament. It's a kind of leadership journal from his life from which we can learn how to lead our lives better as well. And speaking of that, what we learned at the first was that all true leadership is self-leadership. If you want to be a better leader at home, on the job, at your church, in, on the athletic field, in whatever cho your chosen endeavor, then start by leading your own life. And as you lead your life well, others will benefit. Now, if you're wondering... What kind of church goes to the movies for teaching material? I would say the kind of church that follows Jesus. Our purpose is to find and follow Christ. Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 34, it says that he was never without a story when he spoke. Movies are the stories of our day, so we are engaging the conversation, seeking to bring the Bible to life in today's world. Last time we were together, we learned that our first leadership tool in the essential leadership kit was cause. A leader must have some commanding focus, you know, that pulls a compelling vision of a preferred future, a cause, a calling, something that needs to be done in this world. And Paul had that founded in Christ, called him to a cause worth pursuing with all of his life, all of his strength, every day of his life. Today, a second essential, so do you have a cause? What is God's calling on your life? Second essential is not only being a leader, this is not only indispensable to being a leader, but also to uh, leading your own life well. And it's courage. Courage. A leader must practice courage. And it's embedded in all through Philippians chapter one. You may not have seen it there, but it's summarized right there in verse 20. Paul says, I hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient Courage. Why? Why is courage essential? Well, one reason is because fear is so pervasive. Fear is everywhere. Have you noticed? Even before an age of terrorism, we live with fear. I made a list. Have you ever made a list of stuff that you've been afraid of in your life? I did. In preparation for this message, just off the top of my head, I just started writing down stuff I've been afraid of in my life. And here's what came to mind. See if any of these would be on your list. The dark. Afraid of the dark. Monsters under my bed. Ghosts in my closet. I mean, I went way back. Bullies at my school. Getting caught doing stuff wrong. You know, doing the wrong stuff, getting caught. I've been afraid of that. Speaking in public. Yes. Asking a girl out. Oh my goodness, I'm thinking of this. I'm remembering the time when I dialed the number and hang the phone up because I was too afraid. You know, I wanted to get it right. I didn't, but I didn't want to be rejected. So I've dialed the number. Hello. Click. 
too afraid. Now, I already told you that as a kid, I was afraid of the dark. You know what I've been afraid of as a man, a grown man, afraid of the light. You ever been afraid of the light? I have. John says we don't come into the light because we don't want to be seen in our sins. I've been afraid of that. I've also been afraid of what God might ask me to surrender to him as Lord of my life. If I got right with God, you know, is he going to send me somewhere I don't want to go? Is he going to ask me to do something that I don't want to do? I mean, I was afraid that God would want me to marry somebody that I didn't find attractive. Going through my fear list here. And then you know what? Um, You ever been afraid of getting right with God? I have. But then once I was living right with God and he showed me this awesome woman to get married to, you know what? I was afraid of following through on that. Fear has accompanied me in so many places in my life. I've been afraid of heights. I've been afraid of not having enough money. I've been afraid of not being smart enough, not being big enough, not being strong enough. I've been afraid of losing my job. I've been afraid of aging. If any of those sound familiar to you, then what I'm saying to you, you know, every, for me, every step, every stage of my life has required me to face fear. And that requires courage. And lots of movies show this. Maybe the most famous is Wizard of Oz. Here, here. Go away and let us alone. Oh, scared, huh? Afraid, huh? (laughs) How long can you stay fresh in that can? (laughs) Come on, get up and fight, you shivering junkyard. Put your hands up, you lopsided bagger, hey? Well, I'll get you anyway, Pee-wee. Shame on you. My goodness, what a fuss you're making. Well, naturally, when you go around picking on things weaker than you are, why, you're nothing but a great big coward. You're right, I am a coward. I haven't any courage at all. I even scare myself. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Don't you think the wizard could help him, too? I don't see why not. Why don't you come along with us? We're on our way to see the wizard now, to get him a heart. And him a brain. I'm sure he could give you some courage. So what we see in the movie is the cowardly lion isn't the only one who's scared. Tin Man's afraid that he lacks heart. Scarecrow fears that he's not smart. And Dorothy's afraid that she'll never get home again. The American Film Institute lists the Wizard of the Oz, uh, the Wizard of Oz, excuse me, as one of the greatest films in cinema history. The United Nations lists it as one of the few films in its cultural organization's Memory of the World Register. And you know what? The story is about gathering courage. Where do we gather courage to face our fears? And that's the childhood story. Now, another story from childhood that you might remember as I do is the story of Pinocchio, the wooden puppet. And then thanks to the blue fairy, his maker Geppetto's wish is granted. But listen to what the blue fairy tells Pinocchio if he wants to be a real boy. Little puppet made of pine, wake. The gift of life is thine. 
move. I can talk. <laughs> I can walk. Yes, Pinocchio. I've given you life. Why? Because tonight, Geppetto wished for a real boy. Am I a real boy? No, Pinocchio. To make Geppetto's wish come true will be entirely up to you. Up to me? Prove yourself brave, truthful, and unselfish, and someday you will be a real boy. A real boy! Okay, now there's a deep lesson right there. Being alive and being real are not the same thing. So how, what does it take to become real in this world? Well, for Pinocchio, he's told he must prove himself brave, truthful, and unselfish. And all of those take courage. So if you want to be real in this world, it takes courage. So many movie storylines deal with courage. Think of it. Finding Nemo, Saving Private Ryan's. Braveheart, Fury. I mean, some movies even have it in the name. Brave, courageous, because how do we gather our courage to face fear? And why does it matter? Well, in his letter to the Philippians, chapter one, Paul gives three reasons. First, to hold on in time of trial. Second, to stand strong when temptation comes. And then third, to help others find their courage, you know, to lift them up and find their legs to stand on. Listen to what he says in chapter one, verse 13. It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains because of Christ, for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. And then listen to this, verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. There were some preachers at the time who were taking advantage of Paul's hardship to bring hurt to him. But then he says this, others, others are preaching out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 17, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir trouble up for me while I'm in chains. Now, who ever heard of such a thing? Selfish, ambitious preachers stirring up trouble. Man, thank God we don't have that anymore. No, don't laugh. That's a bad joke. But what Paul is saying is his circumstances on the surface do not look good. Here is the greatest missionary voice in the early church in the kingdom of God, and he's in jail. He's out of circulation. He's a true preacher. He's a sincere preacher without a pulpit. His circumstances have not been kind. That's what we learn. And yet Paul has found a silver lining in the clouds, in the storm clouds. Verse 14, because of my chains, because of my chains, many brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and more fearlessly. How how has he overcome his circumstances? I mean, he's not out of jail yet, but he's facing them with courage. Now, do circumstances threaten your vocation? I mean, when stuff goes wrong, even when you're trying to do right, you want to lead a life, you want to lead a life that overcomes, show courage. That's the message. And that's what he does. You can do it too. But then you know what happened? Circumstances got worse. Has that ever happened to you? 
It's like Murphy's Law. You know Murphy's Law, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Maybe you also heard this one. Murphy was an optimist. For Paul, at the same time that some are trying to break him down and take him down from the outside, and he's imprisoned and he's in chains on the inside, selfish and ambitious preachers are trying to rub salt in his wounds at the same time, and yet look what he says, verse 18. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true Christ is preached, and in that, I rejoice. That makes me happy. So how do you choose joy when others are trying to hurt you, when others are trying to create pain, when people are criticizing and misrepresenting you, when they are verbally opposing you and even trying to stir up trouble for you? That ever happened for you? What does Paul say he does? Verse 18 and 20, I will continue to rejoice. I am choosing joy. It's like he knows the joy of the Lord is my strength. And then he says this, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Prayers, Holy Spirit power, deliverance. And I eagerly expect and hope, full of hope and expectation, that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, this is the way that he's choosing to live his life, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. How does he endure criticism and opposition? He says he's depending on the prayers of others, the power of the Holy Spirit, and then he's choosing joy to show courage in the face of his circumstances. Do you have, let's just ask ourselves that for a moment, do you have others praying for you in your time of need? That's the, place, that's the place to start. In your group, in your family, ask for prayer. And then trust the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to be present and powerful in you. And then expect him to show up. Verse 20, he eagerly expects to have sufficient courage. Now, what about this? When does he say that? When does he say he's expecting his courage to, to show up? in his very time of need, in the field of conflict. Listen, he's not on the bench thinking, well, when I get in the game, I'll have courage. No, he's in the game. He's already taken the hits. And he's saying, and I expect my courage to hold out. That's where you'll find courage too, as you go. He's saying this, from the field of conflict in the heat of battle, expect God to help my courage hold out. Every worthy endeavor, every new adventure in life will cause you, will call you to grow through your fear. Courage is an absolute leadership essential to overcome circumstances, to endure criticism, to push through fear, to overcome opposition, and then to help others find their way as well. Verse 27, he turns his attention to what the church is now going through. It's not just about him. Now he's thinking about them. What, what are they feeling? What are they facing? And then he says this, so whatever happens, it's like he's saying, okay, you've seen my life. You know what's been happening to me. You know the stuff I've been enduring. Whatever happens, 
Conduct yourselves. Lead your own lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man, fighting in the strength of unity for the faith of the gospel. And verse 28, here we nail it again. Look at this. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. It's an appeal to courage. For courage. Verse 29, for it has been granted to you to not only believe in Christ, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through, we're not getting stuck in, we're going through the same struggle that you saw I had. Paul sees his experience and that which others are going through as an encouragement to be able to help them find their courage too. So let's sum up real quickly here, okay? How do you develop courage? First, you hold on in trial. You don't bail, you don't hide, you don't run, you don't dodge, you hang in there even if you don't understand it. Even if it doesn't make sense on the outside to you. You know, in the movie Evan Almighty, Evan's wife and his kids have bailed. They've left him. They think he's crazy. It's like he thinks God wants him to build an ark in the middle of Washington, D.C. So you know what God does? God is played by Morgan Freeman in the movie, and he meets Evan's wife. Of course, she doesn't realize it's God when the meeting is happening. Excuse me, can I get a refill, please? Coming right up. Excuse me, are you, are you all right? Yeah. No. It's a long story. Well, I like stories. I'm considered a bit of a storyteller myself. My husband? Have you heard of New York's Noah? <laughs> the guy who's building the ark. That's him. I love that story. Noah in the ark. You know, a lot of people miss the point of that story. They think it's about God's wrath and anger. They love it when God gets angry. What is the story about then, the ark? Well. I think it's a love story about believing in each other. You know, the animals showed up in pairs. They stood by each other, side by side, just like Noah and his family. Everybody entered the ark side by side. But my husband says God told him to do it. What do you do with that? Sounds like an opportunity. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they prayed for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? that by the way did you see uh the name tag that freeman's got on it says al mighty god says if you ask god if you pray for patience do you think god gives patience or does he give an opportunity to be patient if someone prays for courage that's what we're talking about here right does he give them Courage, or does he give them opportunities to show 
courage, to grow in courage. If someone prayed for the family to be closer, which she had actually done earlier in the film, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings or does he give them opportunities to love one another? You know what Paul says in Philippians, God has put you in the field of conflict and he will meet you there. Why? So that you can develop courage. How? First, you hold on in trial. Second, you stand strong in temptation. I mean, you don't give in, you don't give up, you stand up. You don't give up, you stand up to evil. Paul, people are saying lies about Paul. They're attacking him. They're belittling him with words. In other letters, people are accusing Paul of things that he hadn't done. And the temptation, I'm sure, is to lash out, to get back, to get even, to treat them in the way that they're treating him. But he doesn't do it. He treats his trial as an opportunity to stand, to hold on, and then, and then you know what comes, temptation comes. He's in the middle of a trial and temptation comes. That ever happened to you? I mean, just when circumstances look like God is nowhere to be found, some temptation shows up and blindsides you or tries to seduce you. What can you do? Have courage. Don't wimp out. Do what Paul does. Expect yourself to have sufficient courage to stand strong. In another letter, Paul writes this, when temptation seizes you, it's like when it mugs you, when it jumps you, God is faithful, will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. But in the moment of temptation, the very time it's happening when you feel overwhelmed and overcome, in the moment, God will also provide a way out. Why? So you can stand up. Stand up under it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That's what we do to temptation. We stand strong in, uh, we hold on in trial. We stand strong in temptation. Let me tell you, believer, the accuser is going to lie to you. The accuser is going to slander you. He's going to tell you how weak you are, what a failure you are. He's going to try to make you collapse. He's going to make you believe that you have to give in. And that is a lie. You don't. What you can do is push through that fear with courage. Stand strong in the face of the accuser. What God is giving you an opportunity to do is show courage, like Star-Lord does. In Guardians of the Galaxy, you know the climactic scene of the movie, Peter Quill, who we learn is the son of a mystery father and a human mother. That storyline sound familiar? And now he's facing the genocidal villain, Ronan the Accuser. When I first saw this, I just thought it was some silly, goofy spoof scene. But then I studied some of the backstory. If you pay attention to the story, you discover that Quill, from the beginning of the movie, from the beginning, all through his life, has been stuffing an unresolved grief over losing his mother. His mother died when he was eight years old. But before she died, she gave him a Walkman cassette player and a tape called Awesome Mix Volume 1 that included so many of her favorite songs that would now help Quill in his life in her absence. And all through the movie, Quill plays the music. You know what he plays? You know what song he turns to when facing Ronan? Listen to this. 
people of Xander. The time has come to rejoice and renounce your paltry gods. Your salvation is at hand. Be Things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Listen to these words. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Then bring it down hard. Someday, put it together. What are you doing? Dance off, bro. Me and you. Come on. Subtle, take it back. What are you doing? I'm distracting you. See, I don't believe that Star-Lord is simply being plucky with attitude. I think what the storyline is trying to tell us is that he is accessing a way to move in facing the deepest, darkest, largest evil uh, that he has had from his childhood, now he's bringing it to, fore, to the fore now as he presses through his fear, through the darkest time in his life. His mom has left him a message in this song. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. It's hard now. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. No, it seems dark right now. You know, when you listen to a song like that, you listen to a song like that on the worst day of your life, and that's what he's facing right now as a grown-up. This facing Ronan was the worst day of Quill's grown-up life, and where does he find courage to be able to push through his fear and confront the evil accuser, his mother's love and his mother's faith? Things will get brighter. Better days are coming. You know, the book of Revelation says that believers also face the evil accuser who accuses us before God day and night, Revelation 12, 11. They overcame him, though. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they, they, didn't, love their, they didn't love their lives so as to shrink from death. That sounds like courage to me. Courage that flows from God's love and from Jesus' blood and the power of your own Christ story that helps us not fear death. Did you know that your faith story in coming to Christ has the power of God in it? Your story of faith can overcome the accuser. That's why it's so important to tell it, to share your story every chance you get. You said, but I'm, I'm scared to tell other people about Christ. That's why it's so important. How do you develop courage to share your faith? You push through your fear. You hold on in trial. You stand strong in temptation. And then you help others find their courage and step out in faith, even as you suffer and struggle as a witness to others. That makes me think of Indiana Jones, the last crusade and the leap of faith. Indy's dad lay injured and dying and only a drink from the Holy Grail, the, the, the chalice that Jesus used at the Last Supper in the storyline, could offer healing and life-giving power that his father needs. But in order to get it, to help his dad, he must take the leap of faith. Impossible. Nobody can jump this. You must believe, boy. 
You must believe. It's a leap of faith. Amazing special effect, right? Love that scene. Now, we know that there is no power in the literal cup, but we trust that Jesus Christ is the cup of God's salvation to us. And as we trust him, when we receive him, his victory over sin, his victory over death become ours. And as we drink of him, then his life becomes a part of our life. How can others come to trust and receive him. It's only as those of us who already know him take step out and take the, the leap of faith, so to speak. We share by faith. And because Indy stepped out in courage, his loved one was saved. Courage is a leadership essential, especially if you want to lead others to find and follow Christ, which brings us to the why again. Last week we said the first leadership essential is to have a cause. There is no greater cause in life than to share the love of God through our life with the world in whatever endeavor we find ourselves. And now we've seen today how to develop courage. But if you're wondering, why would I want to? Why? Why would I want to do that? Here's the answer, because it's the only way that love travels. Love travels through courageous faith. It's the way God's love comes to you. It's the way that God's love gets through you to others. It takes courage for you to step out and help others find their way. One final clip, William Wallace. He's talking to Robert the Bruce, the Bruce one of the nobles in Braveheart. We need the nobles. We need them. Now tell me, what does that mean to be noble? Your title gives you claim to the throne of our country. But men don't follow titles. They follow courage. Now our people know you. Noble and common, they respect you. And if you would just lead them to freedom, they'd follow you. And so would I. So what does it mean to be noble? It means to live courageously. It means to show love, right? Courage is not the, what does he say? Men don't follow titles, they follow courage. And if you would just lead them to freedom, they would follow you. And so would I. People find and follow Christ when Christ's followers help them and lead the way. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is acting in spite of your fear. So the bottom line of the whole talk is right here. The only way to get unstuck, you feel stuck in life, you feel stuck in fear, the only way to get unstuck is to move forward through your fears, and that is where courage will meet you. Now, where do you need to move forward today? Is it to hold on in your trials? Is it to stand strong in temptation? Is it to reach out and help someone else 
find their way by serving or sharing Christ with them, then I just want to challenge you. (laughs) Do it. And maybe you're here at the invitation of a friend. That's how you came to join us today. May I pray that God will meet you at the precise place he would lead you to take your next step of faith. Shall we bow? Lord God, we thank you for your for the gift of life, for the profound gift of love, and for the opportunity to experience your eternal life when others have the courage to share your love with us. And we're especially praying today for someone who is ready to take the next step of faith in their life, not only to hold on in trial and to stand strong in temptation, but to step out and to share you with a loved one in need. And for someone who's listening in right now, who knows this is my moment. If that's you, may I offer a prayer and invite you to join me in it right now. Lord Jesus, I can hear you calling me. I sense you calling me. And so I'm responding and I wanna step out to follow you too. Forgive my sins, come into my life and now lead me that I might lead my life in a way that honors you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Apply them to me as I now receive the gift of salvation and make my prayer in your name. Now our head's still bowed, but if you prayed to ask Christ to come into your life and the forgiveness of sins and you would let me invite God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you just simply raise your hand wherever you're joining us right now online, you can click that orange banner and we'll join you in our prayers as well. Kindle campus, Gables campus, wherever you're. Lord, for every uplifted hand that signifies a responsive and open heart, we pray now that your spirit would fill them with love and joy and peace, your own presence, and that they would feel your smile upon their life as they take this step of courage. In your name we pray, amen.